brother's gang. Two sisters, both curious and strange. I'm like a duo and they witty from the brain. It's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay. Welcome, boys and babes, to our little life-giving podcast. We so greatly live our bliss through. It's the magic hour, and by now you likely already know us, but I'm Mercedes Terrell, and with me, my majestic partner in shine, Jade Bryce. Hello, friends. We have a really special show for you today with a woman who's been a bright light for me with the work that she does. Yes, huge fans. Yeah. She's an author, podcast host, retreat leader, transformational life coach, and an expert on accomplishing energetic agility and balance, assisting those willing and ready to learn how to cultivate deeper connections with their divine feminine or masculine energy bodies through radical yet understandable practices. Her work and story have been featured in the Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Vice, Men's Health, People, and ABC News Nightline, to name a few. Her passion for her work comes through in her articulate and captivating words, making understanding and utilizing the knowledge she bestows incredibly accessible. She bravely and openly shares her story and her struggles on her own light-giving podcast called Mind Body Musings, a beautifully illuminated soul who shares her wisdom and love through her words and actions, the goddess Maddie Moon. Yay! Hi, thank you so much. That was a beautiful introduction. Thank you. It's all you, girl. So, Maddie, we're super excited to have you on the show. Obviously, we are huge fans. And by the way, you're like my articulation goals. That's what I tell Jay. Yeah. Maddie's my articulation goals. You're so good at articulating everything on your show. And I'm so excited for our listeners to hear you today. So, um, you have such a strong and relatable story and the fact that you share, you know, not only your teachings with the world, but also that you share your struggles so openly makes you incredibly heroic in my eyes. So maybe you could walk us through your story or your your hero's journey, if you would. Absolutely. So first, thank you for saying that about articulation. <laughs> I so appreciate that. Really, that's, yeah. I mean, for someone, for, for someone who wants to be sharing really in-depth, sometimes confusing, sometimes triggering messages. It's really, it's really touching to hear that it comes across in a way that speaks to you both. So thank you. Mm, yeah. All right. So the place that I generally like to start my, my journey, it begins, I would say in my upbringing, because I was raised in a very kind and compassionate household, but one that was very closely tied to their religious beliefs of right and wrong, their version of right and wrong, and mm. what was allowed inside of the box and everything outside of the box, we were not going to touch, we were not going to look at. And for for me, I believe that we are all spirits having a human experience. And so as children, we are born as spirits already, spirits mm -hmm. who are explorative and curious and to be born in a way that you automatically could not explore, could not be curious with so many different areas, you know, finding your own spiritual path like that wasn't allowed. And um, just a lot of things. If, if either one of you were raised in any kind of religious household, mm -hmm. you understand that there is mm -hmm. a lot of black and white kind of thinking. And for some people, yeah. it works like amazingly. Um, but since I was and I always have been very fiery, very passionate, very um, excited and explorative. It was a lot of pressure for me to feel like so many different avenues I could want to go down were not allowed. So it felt like there are parts of me that were not allowed, parts mm -hmm. of me that were inherently bad. 
Mm-hmm. And because of this, I needed a way to cope, to feel safe, to feel in control, like most of us do when things feel out of control and we don't feel like we are liked, we are you know, people pleasing, we are doing good. So I always wanted to make sure that everyone approved of me. I was doing good. God loved me. I was following everything by the book. Mm-hmm. And to deal with this pressure, I needed a very quick and easy way to feel in control. And for me, that was losing weight, exercise addiction. I had body dysmorphia. So numbers, numbers really became my mechanism for feeling that instant sensation of okay, everything is fine. So if Mm. I counted my calories or counted the miles I walked or counted how much weight I lost, as long as I was counting, I felt kind of safe. I also had Mm. OCD in in multiple ways. Like if if, um, we had a a house cleaning service and as a child, if they came in and moved something around, I would have a panic attack if they moved my picture frame two inches to the left. I wasn't in control of that. So Mm -hmm. I would just combust and explode. And my parents didn't understand this. They just thought like, she's got some issues, you know, but she'll work, she'll work it out. And that's a very, Mm -hmm. it's a very old way of thinking, right? Just like, toughen through it. It's a very toxic masculine mindset Mm -hmm. of just like move through it, get over it, stop being so emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So then I I went into, and I'm sure we can go into this in further detail, but I went into, um, I had multiple disordered eating patterns. I went into bodybuilding, which was another way for me to control, 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 but this way I could eat Mm -hmm. and I could count obsessively and I got people's admiration. I was, I had this feeling of self-righteousness for being the one person at the party, not drinking or not eating Mm. tacos. Like I can't go on a date. I am better than you. I don't need date food. (laughs) I'm going to stay inside (laughs) with my meal plan and my, my 6am workout, which that was what was fueling me for so long Mm. until I just became so exhausted with running myself into the ground, my adrenals saying no to everything, no Mm. to friend dates, no to romantic dates, no to simply liking myself. I wasn't allowed Mm. to like myself. I was living in the land of pain because pleasure, I was, I was better than that. Like I didn't need pleasure. Mm. Such Mm. a twisted way of thinking. But as long as I stayed in this land of pain, I felt like I had a reason to feel better, Mm -hmm. which my ego felt separate. My ego felt higher than everyone else because Mm. I was so into this toxic masculine mindset of do more, be more accomplish. Mm -hmm. So I'll stop there. (laughs) <laughs> I am um, I relate to that a lot I, I was adopted into a really religious family at uh, right before I turned 16 and it was it was pretty much cult-like um, everything was very black and white like you said everything was definitive and I feel it's made me kind of a controlling person still not as like the extent you were saying is how I was in my early 20s and I've let myself be free now, but I still tend to be more controlling in my home of like, we have to stay on the schedule. We eat at 11 and we go to bed at this time. And as far as with my kids, um, and I am still really controlling when it comes to our health. Like we have to eat green, we have to drink our green juice before we get anything else in our belly. And when that way of thinking enters your brain, how do you like, Snap. Help yourself relinquish (laughs) control. So you're saying controlling others. You have like the the thing of controlling others. uh, My household, I guess. Mm -hmm. All for the better. But it's still when it's that controlling, it's not enjoyable for anybody. Yeah, I think that 
in those moments, you really just want to tap into the what is it feeding underneath? Because it can vary from time to time. For sometimes your desire for a green juice to come first, it might be coming from this really pure, wholesome place of I, I want everyone to feel good. I want mm-hmm. everyone to feel good. I am the yeah, mother. That's I am what the I nurturer. Feel. If that's what you feel, I would almost say like, don't second guess that. If it's really coming mm. from this place of warmth and love and nurturing. My question would be, what would happen if that didn't go the way that you wanted? Could you then I get anxiety? Be, could you, <laughs> yeah. So then that's the place of can we can we step into a place of ease? So mm. I, I love thinking about these in terms of the feminine and masculine, um, because the feminine is in its essence, it's energy, it's chaos. The masculine is consciousness, it's space, it's time, it's the container we hold. Mm-hmm. So there's a time and a place to be the container holder to say, all right, we're going to have playtime. It's going to be from three to four. Like you've got the boundaries, <laughs> yeah. right? You've got this set. Um, but then all the magic that happens within the playtime is the feminine. It's the energy. So mm-hmm. when an instance comes up, when we look at our day-to-day lives, when an instance comes up where you have your boundary set or your container set, you know, we're going to have green juices before we eat and something maybe goes astray. Maybe the, you ran out of greens or one of the kids doesn't want to eat the greens. That might be a beautiful time to have energetic agility. Like you were saying in my bio, like this energetic agility is a thing where we can move from being in our masculine space holding time and then moving into a place of like uh, surrender. That's a great word to think about, like surrendering to the moment, but also indulging in it. What Mm -hmm. beautiful thing can come from this instead of letting that anxiety take over where you, you try to go even deeper into how can I control? How can I control? How can I control? How can I control? Like it gives, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. There can also be this really beautiful moment where you can go into a switch and you can go into your feminine of how can I make the most beauty out of what's already happening? Mm. I had this partner who one time said this thing to me and it, it's never left my, my brain. I love it so much. But he said, whatever comes up, make room for it. Mm. Whatever comes up, make space for it. And I think when we're so into the control everything, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Whatever's coming up, we're not making room for it. We're going to fight tooth and nail to make what our original plan was happen. Mm -hmm. And it just causes resistance and friction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if we have this mindset of whatever comes up, let's make room for it. Oh my God. Like, do you feel the weight Mm -hmm. coming off your shoulder of just now making space for that? Mm -hmm. Didn't go according to the way our brains pre-planned it to go, but life really rarely does. And then you create something beautiful out of what did happen instead of what we wanted to happen. What did happen? What is happening? Mm -hmm. What can come out of that? Yeah. I love that. I'm going to practice that. Yeah. Um, I also really love the way that I've heard you put words to defining and organizing the ideas around feminine and masculine energies. Could you enlighten us and our listeners with your understanding of all that? Yes, absolutely. So before I do that, I just want to tie up the um, the rest of my journey and story because I kind of yeah. like mm-hmm. dropped it off there. <laughs> um, so I did bodybuilding for a couple years, and at the very the very end of the last show, I just had this moment of absolute rock bottom hood. Mm-hmm. Like I just hit rock bottom. I realized I was miserable. I just competed in a show for crying out loud. Not even a yeah. glimmer of being proud. I I didn't have Mm -hmm. any of that. It was automatically into, I sucked. I didn't do good enough. Judges hated me. I hate me. And, and then after I had those thoughts, I saw, I thought to myself, this is, this is too much. This Mm -hmm. is pain. Like this is actually a level of pain. I don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And from there, I started getting these very natural desires. Like I didn't pre-plan this. It was just a natural inclination to start nurturing something. And because I was so disconnected from the idea of nurturing myself at that time, I had this desire to get a dog. So <laughs> I got a dog and I, I had this, this thing now to take care of and to nurture. Then all of a sudden I wanted to move into the mountains. I was like desiring groundedness and nature mm. and beauty. So I moved into the mountains and then I wanted to be alone and to basically retreat inward. So when I look back now, I started doing all these things that were naturally more in my feminine. Mm -hmm. I wanted to nurture. I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to feed myself right and well. I wanted to sleep more. I wanted to go inward, which is a very feminine energy. Mm -hmm. So all of that, that the, the bodybuilding and going into the mountains and all of that was about six years ago. And since then, I've been peeling off layers and layers of my journey and my story and the clients that I have and coach, trying to like really look at and dive deep what happened with all of this, what was really going on. It's more than just the the need for control. I think underneath a lot of that was the connotations and the understanding I had around the feminine. And, mm -hmm. and I think most of us, I mean, we're all raised and, you know, we're typically raised in the same culture and society. And there's a lot of admiration and self-righteousness about this toxic masculine energy. Mm -hmm. So the more we move into this toxic masculine energy, thinking that we need to hustle in order to feel our worth, the more turned off and upset we're going to get when we feel emotion, because emotion is mm -hmm. distracting to mission. Mm -hmm. Mm. And if we feel like our emotion is coming up, we are going to shun it. We're going to push it away. We are going to judge it. Emotion is the exact thing that brings people together. It's called empathy. When we see mm -hmm. people in pain, we want to be there for them. If the world had more of that, more empathy, there'd be more healing. But in order to have empathy, we have to have emotion. Mm -hmm. We have to be okay with our ups and downs. So like I was saying before, the feminine is energy. It can be really calm and smooth, like a river, like going down a bank, or it can be like a raging tsunami crashing everything in its path and destroying. Doesn't mm -hmm. always just mean calm energy. It can be like Kali, goddess Kali, mm -hmm. just rage, right? Yeah. It's all the feminine. Masculine is just like this space holder. So it's basically nothingness. It's nothingness. It's like the universe when there's nothing going in and out of it, it's just there. The feminine mm. is what flows in mm. to bring it down into terms. Most people will understand because I know that's <laughs> a little bit above and beyond. Masculine is like a sun energy. So when you think about the sun, what happens when the sun comes out? It's active. It's bright. We go out. We do things. We accomplish goals. We have missions. We're like this warrior energy. Mm. Another way to think about it. I mean, while the masculine and feminine are in all of us, we all have it regardless of gender. The physical representation of the masculine is male, not for everyone, mm -hmm. but typically it's male. And so male, they have penises, hoping I can see that. <laughs> That's going out. That's outward, coming mm -hmm. at you like the sun. Sun is mm -hmm. bright, it's outward. And so masculine energy is very outward. Anything that's masculine, mm. it's very outward. It's going to accomplish. It can be logical. It can be structured. It's not rigid. That's the toxic masculine mm. where we say, we got to do it this way or everything else sucks. That's rigid. That's not the pure version of the masculine. The pure version of the masculine is the one that sets boundaries around conversation at Christmas time when all the family's coming mm. in telling you how to live your life. Mm. <laughs> the, ma the pure masculine is the one that says, no, I won't take on that extra shift, but I appreciate you asking me. Mm. Okay. Mm. Sometimes the pure masculine is the energy within you that has boundaries with yourself saying, no, I'm not going to go there and listen to my inner critic. 
Mm-mm, not going to do that. It's also like meditation because mm. in meditation, you're in nothingness. You go mm. into the part where there's no energy flowing all around. You're just like serene and calm and home. Mm. That's the masculine. Uh, mm. It's also knowledge. So knowledge is something that lives here. It's stuff that we gain. We go out there, we learn, we gain knowledge. It makes us, um, it does make, make us wiser, but mm-hmm. wisdom lives in the body. Wisdom is something we have already living in our body. Like we as, as women have wisdom from our lineage of, of women before us. We mm-hmm. feel it. We feel this intuition. It comes out whenever we are in dangerous situations, when someone's walking too closely behind us, when we just feel an energy around someone that we're like, well, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Men, men have this too regardless of gender, but I think we feel it very strongly as women because wisdom is the feminine. Mm -hmm. The feminine, like I said, is all this energy. So it's very creative. It's, um, it's nurturing, it's nourishment, it's softness, it's ease, it's surrender. It's the letting go. It's the receptivity. Think about vaginas in inward (laughs) receptive. It's a very nurturing Mm. come to me, warm energy. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the moon. So the moon, if the sun is the masculine, the moon is the feminine. It's about the emotional well-being going inward. When we when we go retreat, typically we're not getting in touch with our masculine mindsets. We're getting in touch with our feminine bodies and how we feel in the skin we're in because mm-hmm. it's inward, retreating inward. Um, Mother nature. So going back to the word nourishment, Mother Nature, most of us feel something whenever we're in nature. If we're by water, we feel held. If we're in the woods or the forest, we feel grounded. We feel seen. Mm -hmm. We feel taken care of. So like I said, both of these energies are within all of us. You could think of it as yin and yang. Yin's the feminine, yang's the masculine. You can um, think about it like the sun and the moon, you know, or you can think about it like alpha and omega. Some people mm-hmm. really resonate with that more than feminine and masculine. There's like the alpha, which is the go-getter and the omega, which is the ease and the, the setting back. And there's beauty in both. Mm-hmm. There's beauty in, mm-hmm. in following. Cause when you can follow and you can take, you can just follow someone else. That means you got all this brain capacity that can now go towards creating creativity, birthing mm-hmm. a project. A lot of people have resistance around the idea of following as if it's less than, hello, toxic masculine. Right. It's not less than. It's just as beautiful. And there are many gifts that can come from learning how to follow because then you can lead in other areas. Yeah, both are necessary, which is what I'm coming to find. And I seem to find myself embodying a slightly more masculine energy. Um, And as a woman, I feel you know, there's a bit of a strange response that occurs when I'm embodying that role and especially depending on who I'm interacting with. Um, so maybe uh, do you have any insight into how women like myself who might be embodying more of that masculine energy and especially in today's culture can go about balancing the masculine and feminine in themselves in myself? Can I ask you some questions, please? So I'm curious, first off, let's just start with um, hmm, so many places we could go. Okay, let's start with your relationship when people are trying to lead you. Anyone? Um, I think I have resistance to, you know, someone trying to tell me what to do, that type of thing. 
I'm definitely less resistant now than I might have been in the past, but I've I've already started doing some work on trying to balance mm-hmm. these energies and recognizing where I where I'm, you know, overbearing on one end or the other. Um so I'd say that in relation to others, when someone's trying to lead me, I'm usually already two steps ahead of them. So it doesn't often happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I, and yeah. I say ahead, like it's a good thing that I realize that sometimes I need to be led. Like, I think that I also resent the people that aren't leading me, um, especially like totally. the men in my life over, over, you know, my relationships in my life or my husband now, uh, when I'm not feeling like led, I almost resent them for not taking that position first, but I'm also not making space for that position mm, right. to be happening for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Does that answer you that know, question? Totally. Yeah. And okay. there's probably a feeling within you. This is what I find. Um, we want our partners to do something, but we know we can do it better ourselves. We just we can get it done. We can get it done faster. We can get it done better. We can make sure it's done right. So we do it. And then we create the resentment for them not doing it, not being the kind of not being the kind of man. Mm-hmm. That's what we might say in our head. You're not the kind of man who would do it, do it right. So I'll just do it myself. Um, so this is a beautiful place to start. I have I have two teachers I've worked with over the past eight months. One of one of the, their names is Kendra Kunov, and she gives this really beautiful example here about how we as powerful women, we're all powerful women here. We know how to do things. We know how to pick the restaurant. We know how to to get the right cereal we need at the grocery mm-hmm. store. We can do all of it correctly. And so that's what makes this so much better is that we're not actually helpless. We're not helpless. We can help ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if we want to calm our nervous systems, so our nervous systems right now are probably very much in a space of must go do, must do. Mm-hmm. Most people are men and women. Mm-hmm. We must do to feel calm. So my nervous system back in my past, whenever I felt anxiety, I would need to have numbers to feel safe, to calm my nervous system. So I had to go through a period where I retrained my nervous system to feel safe and letting go. Mm-hmm. Maybe that meant crying. Maybe that meant seeing a therapist, maybe that meant learning to do yoga and train my nervous system to move its body instead of counting calories, because that was a way for me to feel calmer. So for for you and for me and for any woman who's listening who isn't giving your partner a chance, as Kendra, my teacher says, we must let them lead badly. Mm. We have to get ready for them to lead badly at times, not to do it perfectly, especially if they're now having to relearn and they might be nervous because mm-hmm. they're afraid they're going to mess up. So this is something we have to predetermine going into it. Whatever happens, the outcome, I'm sovereign in my choice. I'm making the decision to take a step back. I'm making the decision to let him do it. I'm going to let him do it badly. And we have to hold on to that the entire duration mm. of never punish him or bring it back You know, a month later. Well, remember that one time you didn't do it right? That's what sovereignty is all about, being in our personal power, making a decision, standing in it fully. Mm-hmm. Mm. So one of the things that Kendra talks about and, and her teaching and the teaching that I learned is from the lineage of David Data. If y'all are familiar with him at yeah. all, he's wonderful. So one thing that you can do is this one example I, I just love. Um, whenever you're picking a place to go eat and you might be absolutely certain that you want to be eating Italian food one night, or you know exactly the restaurant you want to be eating at, but this is a beautiful opportunity to let him lead Mm. and you learn how to be guided. Mm. 
Because okay. maybe he knows something you don't quite know. Maybe he knows that actually what you would really love tonight, even if you're not thinking about it, you'd love sushi. Mm-hmm. You'd love sushi. I just know sushi would be good for you. And so there's times where we have to let go and, and, and just imagine that there is a part of him that is the divine. Because that is true. There's a part of your partner. There's true. a part of every person that is God. Mm-hmm. So when you struggle to trust him, trust God within him. Mm-hmm. Trust the divine within him. Trust that the, that part of him, the divine knows something that you quite don't yet. Yeah. So what Kendra talks about is something called sacred helplessness. So we, in moments when we're ready to let him lead, have to take on something called sacred helplessness where we pretend to be helpless. We don't know. Mm. So if he's to say to you, where do you want to go eat tonight? You say, I don't know. I have no idea what I want to go eat. I really don't know. I'm so tired. <laughs> and then he says, well, no, you pick. You you know what you like to eat. You go ahead. Because maybe you always know. And then you, you continue to say, no, I don't know. You hold it. You continue mm. to not know. Eventually, he will think of something. And when he says something... You reward him with your energy. You're with your feminine. The feminine Mm. is, oh, I love that idea. That's great. Italian sounds wonderful. Sushi sounds wonderful. And so basically you you shower him with your excitement and joy, something that the feminine is great at. All the energy. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. You give that to him. He gets the surge of like feeling great. I led her. I led her to a restaurant decision. Um, And... This is a very small instance, but it, the sacred helplessness can can be something you can use, whether it's food, whether it's um, even a business decision, possibly if there's yeah. something that is flexible, um, timing on something you letting you deciding, OK, tonight I'm going to let go of needing to be the time holder. I'm not going to check my watch. I'm going to let him do it. And if we're late mm. tonight to this thing. I'm sovereign. I'm making the dis- the decision that being late's okay. Okay, but I'm going to let him be the one to get us in the car, get us to the party on time. I am making the conscious decision to not be the one to constantly tell him what time is it? Are we on time? I'm letting go. Yeah. And then you just give yourself full permission to let go, to basically fake helplessness. Yeah. For for the betterment of y'all's relationship to create polarity, to create mm. a follow following position and a leading position. Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna ask you more about the, the omega, the alpha omega, yeah. you know, paradigm there. But I wanted to say maybe three different things. So <laughs> this reminds me like what you're explaining here of going into a circumstance um with someone who you're trying to um, in essence, allow space for them to become more alpha, right? Uh, and going through the messiness of them figuring out how to do that and how it's going to fit in their own lives and then how, because you're partnered with them, how it's going to fit into your life as well. Reminds me of a saying we say on this podcast a lot, which is seek the pain for positive gain. So like mm-hmm. go through the the ugly learning part or, you know, all the trial and tribulation that comes with that in order mm-hmm. to get to the other side. So I really love that. And uh, the tip about having him pick food is definitely a good one, but I could see some hangriness coming into play. on that. <laughs> <laughs> like You don't know, you really don't know. It's just turning into a whole other thing, but I'm definitely going to try that. Um, so and- maybe bring a snack. Yeah, too. definitely bring a snack. To the <laughs> bring a fanny pack. Be prepared. Fanny like, pack of snacks. Have everything <laughs> like, you need. I don't know. You want some gummy <laughs> snacks? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say that third 
my third little thought there while you were talking, Maddie, was because Jade and I have spent a long career now in um, modeling that it almost makes me cringe the idea of, of what you're calling sacred helplessness to like allow that in my life because I've seen so many, especially women in this industry, you know, the stereotype is there for a reason where they're, they act helpless and they're, you know, a pretty face and that's all that they feel like they have to mm. be in this world. And so I think that's a big part of what's like caused this masculine energy to rise in me as well is like, I don't want to be that girl, you know, like I don't want to be the girl who who's ditzy and and playing that card. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. but I totally see where this would help me leaps and bounds in my personal relationships, especially. Yeah. yeah. So can I add something there? Please. This is important to do with the trusted alpha. Okay. Or if it feels good, the trusted masculine. Mm -hmm. This is something you have discernment around. So I am not going to go into a bar by myself and be like, who wants to (laughs) buy me a drink? I don't know how to buy one. Because I know that's setting myself up for a situation that's uncomfortable and is going to re-traumatize the fears around being in the feminine. Mm -hmm. So you're very right. We want to be... We want to have discernment around when we want to be in this sacred helplessness. And for a lot of people, like you, you, you'll find that your relationship, it's wherever you want to create polarity. Mm-hmm. So if you want it, like polarity is, is what creates sexual tension. Like we do have polarity because right. it's sexy. Like having someone pin your wrist down. If you're mm-hmm. in a good relationship, like that can be hot. Like sure. you're like, you're like surrendering. And then you have someone that's like desiring right. you. And so it's these little moments where we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum, someone that's in the alpha, someone that's in the omega that can create that sexual polarity. If we don't want sexual polarity at work, we don't need to do sacred helplessness, especially in the position you're in. Mm. But there are still ways you can experience your feminine in what you do. It can be in how slow you move. Mm. That's a big one. That's been huge for me because I'm a you know, I've been talking, you can see me here and I'm like, well, my hands are everywhere. <laughs> but if I want to be feeling more into my feminine, let's say I'm coaching someone and coaching, I'm very much in the masculine. I'm the one holding the container for my client. But if I want to feel more into my feminine as I'm talking to them and I don't want to completely be in my masculine, I might start moving my body mm. very slowly. It's so small. It's so simple, but it's energy. This is me moving energy around in my body rather than being still like a tree. Mm. This is the masculine. This is the feminine. Mm. Small and subtle changes, but this keeps the energy moving and it makes Mm -hmm. me feel also really connected to my body. Mm -hmm. Or even the way you like reach for your chapstick. Like, do you do it fast and rushed? Are you doing it slowly and indulgently? Mm. And those are things you can start to put into your day-to-day life because it's not about another person leading you. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. This is about you being in your feminine at the same time that you're in your masculine. Mm. Hmm. I'm also curious about the opposite. That's why me and Mercedes are so uh, yin and yang to each other also. So my shaman said that I seek for the masculine outside of myself. And everything that you've said makes me feel like, oh, I've got masculine because I'm I like to have such a schedule, you know, at home. But yeah, what is your advice for someone who maybe feels a lack in that in, in the masculine instead? That's such that's so great because if someone wants to feel more into their feminine, 
you also have to almost first have a strong masculine container. I was, mm. I was thinking of this metaphor. It's kind of weird, but maybe it'll resonate with people. And then we'll go into what you're sharing. But imagine if you're like on this island, that's like a cliff island, like you're in the middle of water, you're on an island, but it's a cliff entirely around it. And what if someone blindfolded you and was like, now dance, be free, dance on the cliff. (laughs) You would probably just like want to stand, you wouldn't really be dancing. You'd kind of be standing still, keeping your arms in. You'd be kind of scared. You'd Mm -hmm. die. But if someone or you you asked, can you please put a very sturdy, strong fence around the entire cliff that will secure my safety and they said, yes, then you'd be free to dance. You know, you're safe. That's kind of what it's like whenever we go full on out into the feminine of like feeling everything. If we don't first feel held mm-hmm. and safe, it's really scary and to go mm-hmm. into the depths of our feminine, of the energy, of the ups and downs and the emotions, because we don't know, is do I have myself? Am I safe here? Will I get out of this? So in creating your masculine, this looks quite a few different ways. One of them that is that's served me and served a lot of my clients is actually having designated time to go into your feminine, meaning you set up mm. a container, you have a start time and you have a stop time. So, you know, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to go full on out with my rage towards mm. my mother. I'm going to pound my pillows. I'm going to scream all the profanities they ever could want towards her, towards me. I'm going to let out my inner brat. I'm going to throw a tantrum. And then in 10 minutes, you have a really beautiful alarm that goes off and and you know to stop and you know you're leaving it there. You got it all out on the table. That is one way to set up a container for you to feel everything you need to feel. Mm. That is a practice that's great because it can be intentional You can set it and you can say, I know I'm going to do this. But then there's like the other instances, right, called life where you're just feeling a little bit triggered and you're looking Mm -hmm. for someone else's validation that what you feel is right or you're looking for someone else to tell you what to do. And these ones are you, you do the designated practice to feel so that later when life happens and instances like this happen, you know, to slow down and breathe and go inward rather than looking for someone else to tell you everything is fine. And this takes time. It takes time to learn your yes and learn your no. It learn. It takes time to learn how to hold your own, hold your own energy, hold your own emotions, be your number one supporter. And I think that's really that masculine energy of, I always come back to thinking of boundaries of, mm. of saying this is not okay. And it's hard especially as women, like we, not many of us were taught how to create boundaries as children. Most of us might've had like an idea of what a boundary would be, but it was always crossed over if you have Mm -hmm. parents that were controlling. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, like what might be an example where you feel you struggle with having, holding it for yourself and looking for it externally? Hmm. I know I've always struggled with boundaries, but as far as how I look for it outside of myself, maybe um, maybe feeling protected and feeling um, validated maybe would be my two guesses. I didn't have a, a father growing up, so that may have come into play, like never feeling like I had that protector or someone who was going to be there when my heart was broken. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's that like a protector when it comes to life's pain, 
um, someone who was going to feel things with me, maybe mm-hmm. would be my guesses. Mm-hmm. I want I want to make it very clear. I 100 percent believe that as humans, we're here for connection with others. Mm-hmm. Not one of those coaches that's like, you have everything you need within you. You don't need anything else outside of you. We mm-hmm. are here for connection. It's mm-hmm. crucial. We're we're primal beings who thrive off of having another person in our life or many mm-hmm. people in our life, a tribe, a community, a partner. Yeah, we need that. I agree. We need that. And that I would say, I think that's just the next layer like that. Then having their love, their support, their, them holding you, that's all enriching and enlivening and, and nourishing. But there's the baseline we first want to also have of doing that for ourselves. Because there will be times and periods where maybe you're in a fight with your partner and you really have to be there for yourself because they mm-hmm. physically can't or maybe they're long distance and they're not there for you. And you have to also learn how to validate your emotions. And I think for women, often one of the keys for that is not overthinking it, mm-hmm. second guessing it and backpedaling, mm. saying something. I feel this way. And then later being like, never mind, I don't feel this way. It's, it's fine because you just overthought mm. the entire thing and you yeah. betray yourself. Mm-hmm. You abandon yourself yeah. when you do that. Yeah. So those, the, the way that we, as the feminine, oftentimes we like to complicate things. We like to backpedal out of a feeling that we have because we second guess the feeling with logic. Mm-hmm. Well, A and B shouldn't equal C, so I shouldn't feel this way. Mm. I think the, the warrior within, the masculine within, lets all of that overthinking go and instead says, this is how I feel. I'm setting a boundary with myself to not let myself overthink this. Mm. And I'm just going to be with this feeling. And that's when you have your practice where you have 10 minutes to feel the emotion all out. Mm -hmm. You get out of the head, you get into the body and you nourish your need to feel and validate whatever's coming up for you by Mm -hmm. expressing it. And that's how it's released and rinsed out. Yeah. I love that idea of that practice. Yeah. Yeah. So what's at play when we're we're in our own like pity party or when we're playing the victim Mm -hmm. card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that more masculine or feminine energy that's coming out? That's so there's the masculine feminine and there's toxic of each. Okay. And so I think, I think that's the toxic feminine Mm -hmm. of, cause it's not being sovereign. Like a lot of time, like kind of going back to the example of the resentment that can build whenever Mm -hmm. um, our partners don't do what we want. Mm-hmm. Or if we're single and we go into the story of this always happens to me, I always date this kind of person, this kind right. of person. We mm-hmm. act like we didn't make the choices and decisions. Mm-hmm. And instead of simply being with the pain of, oh, this sucks. <laughs> this sucks. I'm going to feel my emotion. I'm going to mm-hmm. feel it fully. I'm going to cry. I'm going to have a whole day to myself where I just feel my pain. That's not a pity party. That's just feeling your pain. Yeah. The pity party happens when you say this always happens to me. I'm not empowered. This this they the world's doing this to me because you made made the decision to date this person, to see this person. You made the decision to put your heart on the line. Yeah. That's a that's a key. It, yeah. You to you breaking in that up moment, with the victim. Yeah. You in the moment like you made the decision to put your heart out there. So there's always the opportunity it can be hurt. Mm-hmm. But it's not because this always happens to you. It's because nothing's really in control. 
So are we really ever the victim then? Or are we, is it, we're, I know we're always creating our own reality, but I feel like sometimes um, we can take that too far and then we become the doormat or the, um, manip- we're manipulated easily because we're like, I refuse to be the victim. I did this, you know, myself. And oh, so well, that has, that has, um, that's not always the case for sure. If someone yeah. was raped or harmed and you are the victim. Mm-hmm. And it's not this that would not be an instance where you go, well, I did this to myself. I walked outside mm-hmm. the door. I asked for this and I'm in control. Yeah. Like there, the victim mindset absolutely has a time and a place and a purpose. Yeah. And it's important to feel that to understand something was done to you, because then that can be a whole nother problem whenever you go, I'm doing all this to myself. I'm manifesting my life. I'm manifesting this pain and hurt. Mm hmm. Um, So I'm glad you asked that question because I do like to make that clear. Yeah. Being a victim is a thing. Being Mm -hmm. a victim. It's important to learn to differentiate the two. And even someone who may be uh, dating a narcissist or a sociopath. And it's just they they can tend to because what you're saying is really good. But we can get in that mode of like, well, I'm just playing the victim card. And then our partner Mm -hmm. can use that against us, too, instead of letting us, you know, feel our feelings. See, here's the thing. Set our boundaries. Once you realize that, if you continue in the relationship and you go go further, then you are choosing to go Mm -hmm. into the story. Mm -hmm. The moment you realize there is abuse, what's the sovereign choice to do is to leave. And if you stay, Mm -hmm. you have a responsibility. If you stay and you every day wake up and go, this always happens to me. This always happens to me. Yes, because you are re-traumatizing yourself Mm. by every day consciously choosing to be in a relationship where you know this is going to continue to happen. Mm, that's good. Oh, Maddie. <laughs> we needed this. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I need to be a fangirl for a minute and say that uh, the ideas of, of sexual polarity, including the alpha omega paradox that you already touched on a little bit, have um, that you've relayed also in your in your own podcast and wherever I've heard you speak about it have effectively seeped into my life um, after listening to you. And like I was saying earlier, I've, I've put, uh, you know, a little bit of work in how I can integrate that into my life wherever, wherever I can. Um, so I guess I just want you to touch on that for our listeners and give us you know your description in your beautiful words of of the idea of sexual polarity and how that all works into our lives the alpha omega paradox all that good stuff mm-hmm. and especially how we can use those to better balance them you know in our relationships yeah so basically like a summary of all yeah of <laughs> to us, girl. i know okay. it's hard <laughs> so um there have been thousands of years as women where we have had to protect ourselves thousands of years where we couldn't protect ourselves thousands of years of being dismissed beaten sold raped whatever is going on and it is no wonder that in our nervous system we feel a need to be in control to be safe to put up a guard to put up a barrier And because of this, there's a lot of this energy of always feeling like we need to be in control. We need to be in control. This is not and this is not very healthy for us. Let's just look at us. This isn't very healthy for us because where is the room for us to let go and to surrender and to be receptive and to receive love and to be safe and to be creative? 
right? Creativity, in order for it to blossom and bloom, there needs to be an element of safety. You can't be creative and expressive and expansive when you feel like you're on the verge of dying, you know, because that's Mm -hmm. what's happening in your Mm -hmm. nervous system. It's like at any minute I could be hurt or die and I need to like constantly be on alert. When we feel safe, the creativity can blossom and bloom. And in relationship, it's a gift for us to be able to let go, to follow. Oh my gosh. Following is so rich. It's so beautiful because when we feel taken care of, we feel guided and we're with someone we can trust. That's the key. It's not just Mm -hmm. anybody. It's the trusted partner. When we feel like we can follow, not only are we being able to let go so we can use all that brain power to think about what we want to write in our next blog post or think about the book we want to read to our kids at night or what we want to cook for dinner, our creativity can bloom. We're also getting back in touch with our bodies because we're no longer in the brain. So we're more in touch with our bodies, our sensuality. Mm. When we go into that place, we're obviously being really nourished, getting back in touch with our bodies, feeling our feelings. It's very nourishing. It's also very nourishing for our partner Mm. because he gets to step up and lead, which is great for the masculine. They love leading. He gets to step up and lead. He gets to know he's taking care of someone. That feels good for him. It feeds him. And then he sees you more in your sensuality. That feeds him. So whenever you are in on the polar opposites, there's this alpha, there is this omega, the space in itself creates. It's a bridge to cross. Esther Perel, I think, talks about this, but it's a bridge to cross the polar um, opposites, it forms a bridge and that creates the, the sexual, I don't want to use the word tension, but like, that's what it is. Sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the feminine, the masculine. And I think that when you have decisiveness around where you want to have this dynamic, and sometimes it can be in partnerships. Like I'm sure y'all two have experienced this before. One of you may really be feeling, more of that creative surge, but for you to be able to go into that creative realm, someone else needs to take control mm-hmm. of the time you're meeting the guests or the time y'all are having a podcast, when it's going live, all of that. Mm-hmm. So this can happen in partnerships. This can happen romantically. Sometimes this happens in our own family units with our, our mom and dad, letting your dad lead for a second. You just kind of sit back and relax if y'all are going out to eat as a family, mm-hmm. right? So um, in my own life, this has helped me mostly. It's definitely served my relationships. But this has helped me a lot as a, as a woman, mm-hmm. just to have time when I can let go and I can stop being totally in control, especially with mm-hmm. clients. Like it just, it's so important to have off times or the resentment will build, but having mm-hmm. to be it for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So it protects the relationships because it protects either party from going into the land of resentment, Mm -hmm. you get back in touch with your feminine body, which is rewarding for you and is rewarding for him. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. I, I I know I'm integrating it into my life, but I want it faster, but that's just my masculine telling me I need to do it all now. And I can see in my own life currently that, um, we've gone through this time where you know where you're the breadwinner and then your partner is in this place where he's needing to be creative and come into his own you know figure out what is his uh rise is going to be like you know and then now it's kind of transitioning for me where he's finally getting into the the spin of how that's going to work you know play out for him in his life and that's allowing me to feel a little more secure especially financially like I think there's a really big correlation to you know finances of course in, in a marriage mm-hmm. or a serious relationship that takes 
so much stress and strain to focus on that when you're the person focusing on it, you are not able to get in touch. You know, it's an, it feels unsafe if you mm-hmm. are financially unstable. So you have to, f- like you're saying, Maddie, earlier, you have to focus on that in order to um, put food on your table and everything else. But that takes away from your ability to be creative and to feel, you know, that that relaxing that comes with um, being secure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. London Angel Winters has a book called um, mm, Awakening it, the the, gu- the Everlasting Love for the Awakened yes. Woman. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And she talks all about energetic agility in that. That's the first mm-hmm. time I've, I've read that um, phrase. And so if anyone is interested in that, because there are times where your partner, if he is typically the alpha will want to be an omega and needs to be an omega. And then that's when we do the energetic agility. Then we go into alpha so he can let go and take a bubble yeah. bath and have food yeah. Order yeah. and rest. So that's a really great book for anyone that wants to dive deeper into those two, the energetic agility part. That book literally arrived at my door as I was setting up for this episode. So Weird. really, yeah. oh my God, it's such a good book. I love everything. It's London been in my does. cart forever. And then we booked her as a guest. So I was like, okay, I'm going to oh. go ahead and uh that yeah yeah you're gonna love it i can justify now um so each week at the end of our show um we both uh mercedes and i do a segment where we relay a magic trick in which we describe some tool or practice for our listeners to to implement into the lives if they choose um and knowing that you have some incredible practices and teaching in your arsenal i thought i'd ask you if you have any magic you'd be open to sharing today any Mm. tools practices Mm -hmm. Mm. tools and practices i man i don't want to be one of the people that are just like meditation but (laughs) i will say i'll be specific about it vedic meditation okay Mm. i was someone who could not meditate and i just kind of let go of the idea of meditating i just got my like little 300 meditation badge so i've done 300 now of these vedic meditations wow It's life changing for any woman who's listening, who's masculine minded and perfectionistic Vedic meditation, especially for the kind that thinks you can't meditate. Um, Vedic is the kind that you use mantras and sound and um, it's very sacred. So you'll have a teacher give you your mantra. You do a four day thing with them. You never speak of it or share your mantra. It's like very private and sacred. That is my number one tool in my life because not only has it helped me to be slower and like clearer, mm-hmm. but it has done all of the hard wiring and rewiring and, and work for me. It's mm-hmm. effortless. That's the beautiful thing about Vedic meditation. It goes in, it does all the different like pathway rewiring, mm-hmm. whatever the things are that happens in your brain when you meditate, but it's mm-hmm. so effortless. You, all you have to do is your mantra and, yeah. Yeah. and it, it shows the difference in your anxiety. Like I used to be very anxious and that combined with CBD oil, <laughs> um, and dancing, like those are the three things yes. about my, my team now. Love those magic tricks. So, so is I love all three meditation similar to like a transcendental practice? Yes. Okay. I don't know the exact difference. The, the thing that I think is a little bit different is transcendental meditation feels more corporate, mm-hmm. more packaged, mm-hmm. programmed up, um, more seminar like. Every time I've done my, I've gone to Vedic meditation, um, houses that's really all i could say because they we have circles and houses it's just like drinking tea and sitting on sheepskin rugs and talk about um 
consciousness. It's not mm. corporate at mm. all. It's really like rural feeling, mm. um, really Eastern feeling. It feels more in touch with the ancient traditions. And uh, whereas from what I've seen, Transcendental looks a little bit more packaged up. And Seems it's going in that direction, unfortunately, huh? All right. Um, actually, Did before you, we, I was oh, going to, yeah, I was going to ask about a little magic trick that I've taken from you, which is your pleasure oh, yeah. practice. If you could explain what that is. Yes. So a pleasure practice is a time where you maybe it, like you set a container again, like they're masculine, you set the container of 10 minutes, but you go into embodying whatever emotion is already coming up with combining it and combining it with pleasure. So a lot of times our brains like to separate any emotion from feeling good. Like if we feel anger, we don't feel pleasure. If we're anger, angry, we're full on angry. Hmm. But what if you could learn how to be angry and also not abandon your pleasure, your God-given right to feel good in your body? So in a pleasure practice, again, this was taught to me by Kendra. You will set aside 10 minutes of time to put on music, set the container, put down your sheepskin rug, uh, light candles, put on music you really, really, really love or represent whatever emotion you're in. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you need to put on a rage playlist, (laughs) but you move your body indulgently expressing this emotion, but also feeling something in your body that feels really good. Mm -hmm. So maybe as you're going deep into the place in your heart that feels pain, you're also doing hip circles and you're also touching your face ever so lightly because that feels really good on your skin. Maybe you have a window open, you feel the sun coming out on you and you're really in touch with the warmth you feel on your body and that pain. So you could be feeling a whole bunch of sensations at once and it might be kind of confusing, but the point of it is to get in the body and out of the head to be in the pleasure with whatever else is naturally coming up. Mm. Rage, happiness, joy, confusion, ego, whatever's there. And also learn how to feel pleasure and not abandon pleasure in your skin. I love it. And to that idea of feeling pleasure and pain at the same time, is there, this is a total segue, um, not on our list of questioning, so I'm going to go rogue, but because we've been talking to a lot of other guests previously about open relationships and it seems like such a painful thing that my ego goes Mm -hmm. hell no but at the same time the way they explain it is you know it also gets you to realize that you can love others Mm. um while loving someone you know you can Mm. love many people at once um and you're asking your or you're giving your partner permission to experience as much love as possible but in order to do that you have to be able to hold the pain of whatever the ego brings to that um, at the same time as feeling love for your partner your significant partner and any others that you bring in what -hmm. are your thoughts on open relationships (laughs) um I so I come from like the acro yoga community and a lot of them are in open relationships so I've seen it I've got you know a lot of people in my circle have open relationships not for me because I'm a Leo and I'm a queen and I want my king and I'm very like you're mine um but I I absolutely see what you're saying and I I think that's really beautiful and and as my other friend said it takes uh emotional acrobatics to have an open relationship Hmm. emotional acrobatics so you have to learn how to bounce between the feeling and the understanding and the um what's the word called compersion 
Mm. Whenever you compersion means you find pleasure in someone in your lover's pleasure. So you get a feeling of joy. It's a it's a it's a word that I know is used often in open relationships. You Mm. get joy whenever you see someone else, your partner in joy. So balancing all of those, juggling all of those. And I think that it works unless it doesn't, you know, if it works and it feels good and it brings joy, then it's working. So Mm -hmm. it works until it doesn't. And then I think at at any time it's important for each person to be honest with themselves about how they're feeling in the relationship. And and I'm assuming you would have to have really beautiful communication skills for being able to share Mm -hmm. your feelings and the other person hold your feelings and listen to you and no one feels dismissed or disregarded. Mm -hmm. I too think you need to have enough space in your life yeah. In order to do it. It just seems like so Who has much the time. Work. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So many people to communicate with and feelings to hear and yeah. feelings to share. It's so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also have a question from the Magic Mob, um, which is our tribe of listeners. Um, David on Instagram asks, with so much turbulence and confusion around the term feminism currently, I was wondering if you could shed some light on where you feel this word is being misinterpreted or misdirected and what might be a solution for this. Well, I think feminism has done a lot of beautiful things in our society, a Mm -hmm. lot of beautiful things like the Me Too movement and speaking up and us really finding our voices. I think for some people, there is a misunderstanding that feminism is about and this isn't not this isn't everyone, of course, but for some people, it's that the future is female. And I don't believe the future is female. I think Mm. the future is human. The Mm, future is... I love that. It's divine union. I think the future is a we, not a she or not a he. And the solution to this is more, more, not even understanding, but more compassion. Mm. More compassion for each parties. Um, I'm actually hosting a interview series with with a bunch of men. And it's called Trusting Our Men Again. And the interview series is all about how can we as the feminine learn how to trust our men again so yeah. that we can have divine union. Um, so me and my one of my soul sisters, Nadia Mandla, are hosting that so that we can have these conversations. Like for now, that's what our solution yeah. is, is having conversations with men to understand their side, to hear how are you feeling uh, repressed? Because there are people, men coming out saying that they're getting a lot of hate from women right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... We don't, I don't think that, I think that, that that's called witch hunting and everyone's pointing fingers. So mm-hmm, what we need mm-hmm. is less pointing of the fingers, more compassion, more recognizing the God in each other yeah. and letting go of any gender being the gender mm-hmm. and instead looking at all of life as just human. Mm. Um, go ahead. Where will we be able to find that, that interview? S- trustingourmenagain.com. Okay. Cool. I want to say, yeah, I don't know why this slips from my head all the time. Our URL is trustingourmen.com or trustingourmenagain.com. I, this <laughs> always slips from my head because we haven't actually hooked it up yet, but it's coming out in um, January. So okay. we're, all, we're almost there. It'll be coming out soon. We'll put it in our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to add to that or, or maybe double back on that, that the, this, current rise of the feminine energy, you know, the rise of feminism that's happening now. Maybe a good way to look at it as well is that 
the feminine energy, like you're explaining, is this energy that allows for receptiveness, you know, allows for space to be held for both the masculine and feminine to exist together and be balanced. So in a way, the rise of the feminine is really just a balancing you know, of the two instead, yeah. instead of going yeah. so overboard. Because I feel like when we go overboard with it's going to be, you know, it's this this feminine energy is going to take over the world. It's like, well, the whole idea of feminine energy is to allow for the balance to happen, to mm-hmm. have the receptiveness. So it's like mm-hmm. you can't really take over with feminine energy. Yeah. And it's the, the, the feminine rising, the divine feminine era. This mm-hmm. is for everyone. This also means that men are now learning how to recognize their feelings. Men are learning how to stop grinding themselves in their work Mm. because they need to make more, make more, make more. And they're not paying attention to their kids because they're letting work win Mm -hmm. over emotion and feeling and connection. So the feminine is everything. It's also about healing our planet Earth. So it's not just about women rising. It's about sounds cheesy but it's about love rising Mm -hmm. it's about love rising more compassion more nurturing listening truth it's a lot of really beautiful things rising and so i want men everywhere to understand that this era is about you letting go of the beliefs that you need to be tougher stronger Mm -hmm. bigger this is for you too this is so that you're receiving more love from your counterpart from your wife from your girlfriend from your best friends letting them become softer and also you become softer so that you can show up for yourself in a more loving way. And you can show up for your relationships in a lot more loving way and your brothers. Mm-hmm. So releasing that toxic masculinity. Or I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So powerful. There is um, another question from one of our followers um, that uh, was from Cheyenne and she asks, how does the imbalance of the masculine and feminine energies play a role in creating a crisis like the hashtag Me Too movement? What I would say to that is if if he can't read himself, he can't read her. Mm. If, you know, let's assume that this is for people who aren't trying to be malicious. If he cannot read his own feelings, his own body, his own emotions, he cannot read hers. If mm. he feels that he needs more power, power, power in his life because he's living the toxic masculine. He's not going to listen to her requests, right? So mm-hmm. he, if if he is taking advantage of her, he's not feeling her body. He's not slowing down. He's not listening to her. He's not taking her word as truth. Mm-hmm. And I think this is pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on her side, if she's not speaking her truth, if she doesn't, if she doesn't have that masculine energy to say boundaries and say a firm no. Mm-hmm. you know, or, or trust her no and her yes. So there's a lot of just confusion. There's a lot of confusion of not feeling your feelings and not knowing how to speak your truth. Yeah. And the me too conversation is a very, very, very big one and long one. But yeah. I think as the, the best way to summarize it would be that, and just everything else that we've talked about, there's just this toxic culture of doing more, being more, gaining more power. And for as long as we are more concerned about things like that and looking externally to feel powerful and finding our, our power through what we um, conquer, right? External con- conquerings. Um, there's going to be a dismissal of people's voices, a dismissal of um, truth and a neglecting of caring about their emotions and their feelings. Mm. Hopefully that answers that question. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I love that answer. 
I was going to move on to this pick your poison that we have from Jessica on Instagram. She asks, would you rather go back to age five with everything you know now or know now everything your future self will learn? Oh, go back to age five. For sure. I know everything that I know now. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't want to know everything up front that I would soon learn. Okay. That's what she's, that's what she was asking, right? The second one? Yeah. Yeah. Age five with everything you know now or? I like the mystery. I like, you know, if I was at age five, because then what would I learn at age six, seven, eight, nine? Like I would know all of that. So the future is still a mystery. And I like that. Yeah. I think you, you gain more that way for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I pick the same thing. Um, you're really good at art- articulating your answer. So whenever you say something, it's like all my yeah, feelings are it. like, <laughs> like my, I don't know, the avocado, we can guacamole or vice versa. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, how, do, how did you get to the point where you do articulate so well? Was it through reading a bunch of books or? Mm. I think slowing down mm. is really key. That Vedic meditation has helped me a lot. I'm telling you. Yeah. It has helped me a lot with, with forming my, or I would, I would say creating a connection between what I'm feeling in a moment and then my brain. Like, how do I t- mm. articulate what I'm feeling in this moment? Mm. And slowing down, you know, like letting myself first feel into a question, think about how that question makes me feel, And sometimes it sounds strange, but I will will like read what I am saying before I say it out loud. Mm -hmm. I'll like read it along because I stutter a lot and Mm. I can talk way faster than what I am thinking. So I can stumble over my words sometimes. So that helps me to slow down if I'm actually reading what I'm saying out loud. Yeah. Um, and I think my podcast as well, I've had my show for five and a half years. Yeah. So it's a yeah. lot of talking. It's a lot of talking about the same things too and learning new ways to say it. And then also mm. with my coaching, I think coaching has helped me a lot because I hear their internal workings and I can slow down and feel what, into what would serve them the most mm. with what they're going through. And then I have all these different people with different flavors and I learn different ways to say the yeah. same thing pretty much because it always comes back to more love, more feminine, more masculine, yeah, more boundaries, yeah. more spirit. Is all of that also how you cultivated such a deep relationship with your intuition? Yeah, I was going to ask the same thing, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jade. I, th- I think that's um, the whole backpedaling thing has been really powerful for me, not backpedaling. Mm. I had a boyfriend tell me that a long time ago. He was like, stop backpedaling. Cause I'd say something and then I'd second guess it. He'd be like, nope, mm. no backpedaling. Nope. Mm-hmm. You said that stick with it. Mm. And even though he was doing it in in regards to where we were going to go eat or something like <laughs> that, I started to apply it into my life. Mm-hmm. So rather thinking of intuition being something black or white, there's a right, there's a wrong. I would say there's only a right now. My first answer was this one. So let's just test out going with it, saying it's mm. the right one you know, with quotations and then seeing what happens. And typically there's no dire consequence. So yeah. my intuition has become whatever whatever I say in a moment, whatever I feel in that moment. And I allow myself to change my intuition. Mm-hmm. An hour later, five minutes later, it can always change. Mm. But in any given moment, I like to go with my first response and say, that's the one I'm going to stick with and no backpedaling and then see what mm. happens. 
get curious about yeah. it. What happens if I say no to this and I don't go to the party? What if I say uh, the certain answer to this question instead of saying, there's so many answers, which one will I pick? I yeah. trust that whatever comes to me first is the one that needs to be spoken. Mm. I love that. Um, Boulder Psychic Institute teaches like to picture a gauge in your mind to like clear yourself of all thoughts, picture a gauge, like a gas gauge kind of, and or a scale, whatever works for you. And then ask like, how much of this is most is beneficial to me or how much of this is my emotion speaking and not my um, like highest self. And then you let that gauge read for you. And then, and basically they teach that that gauge is your Mm. intuition answering. Very cool. Um, Yeah. I like it. It's a fun tool. And uh, Mm. speaking of intuition, I have been recently listening to some of your stuff on intuitive eating, because I know that's like, you know, where your journey began and, or not began, but that's where your first portions of your podcast took you to. Right. Um, yeah, that's some powerful stuff that I, I think I need to continue to do some research on mm-hmm. and figure out how to implement into my life because I've had a crazy journey with, you know, trying every diet to figure out what, not so much for weight loss, but more for um, how I feel, like just feeling better yeah. and my digestion being yourself. better. Yeah. yeah. So um, thank you for all you've offered there. And I know if I even ask you a question regarding that, we're going to get into a whole nother podcast. Yeah. So I feel like we need to just have you on a different So just go it. listen to hers <laughs> too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So there's a few short questions we like to ask everyone who comes on the show. First off, what advice would you give your 25-year-old self, Maddie? Well, 25 was two years ago. So mm. <laughs> probably would say... Um, you're not going to marry him. So don't spend so much time obsessing over him. <laughs> oh, I like what that. to do. You're not going to marry him. <laughs> That's where I was at 25. Like this, is he the one? Is he the one? Is he the one? Yeah. None of those guys were the one. So I would have all this other time to just like let yes. go and like enjoy yeah. the journey of the dating rather than focus so much on if I was going to marry that person or the next person. Yeah. I love that. A lot of 25 year olds need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I um, did. So the next question is, if you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Mm. Oh, um, I would say most likely, I would say The Untethered Soul. Mm. It's been a while since I've read it, but... I remember that was one of the first times when I got a perspective on looking at my emotions in a different way. Mm. And it helped me to feel my emotions more because I wasn't so immersed in them. Mm. And it's really, really powerful. I know this is a top, top, you know, in the top three favorite books for a lot of spiritual coaches. And Mm. have you all read it? Yeah. I own it, but I haven't, I have probably read the first or two chapters, but I have not finished it. So I need to pick it back up. I've read it twice and I feel like, I've read it twice because I'm trying to connect with it as much as some people have expressed they've connect with it. You know, like I said, some one person's articulation of a subject might be totally different than the next. And it's going to be received by whoever's watching, listening and reading it differently. And for me, it was more like The Power of Now spoke really deeply to me. Mm. Uh, I could list a million other books, but um, Untethered Soul, I got some great pieces out of it but it wasn't you know just wasn't one that was fully on i was fully on board with 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read his second book, his other book, and I did not like that one. Wow. I stopped reading it. Didn't I didn't even I yeah, it bothered me for some reason, but I loved <laughs> the first one. But yeah, that, that's really true. A lot of books that I actually recommend to my clients don't resonate with them. It's yeah. really funny. I'm like, this is the best book ever. And they're like, I don't really connect with it at all. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, try this one. I almost so, think, too, the, it's like a time that we read it, right? It like is. it's like yeah. totally. it could even be hormonally when we're reading it or yep. when we first start yep. it. And then once that's mm-hmm. set in stone, totally. we're just, we forget yeah. the rest. So. Yeah. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Deeper the no, deeper the yes. Ooh, when you yes. deeply say no to something, you're deeply saying yes to something better. Mm. I love that. You were ready. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love it so much. It's It just like speaks to my soul, gives me empowerment to say no. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, well, Maddie, before we let you go, where can people find you and your work? You can find me at maddymoon.com, M-A-D-D-Y moon.com. And I'm also on Instagram, Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N. And you can find my podcast, Mind Body Musings on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And that's about it. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure, Maddie. Yeah. Thank you you so so much. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. So in-depth, so juicy. Thank you. That was pretty damn cool. I'm so excited that we are sharing this with our magic mob. I think you guys are, I don't know, if you heard what I heard, you're going <laughs> to mountains with her information. So, yeah, I it's um, I feel like I have a lot of homework. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> for which sure. is the hard part, right? Hearing I, it is is fine and jolly, but the homework is the. Yeah. And as much stuff as I've already listened to of hers, I was literally writing notes during our whole episode. Like, "Mm, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to implement that. So cool. Well, what, uh, what do you have today for a magic trick? A little bit of magic. Let's see. Okay. So I have how to, uh, how to feel seen by others and quickly. Um, (laughs) So I'm sure we're all familiar with what it's like to meet someone who you you know hit it off with right off the bat. So my theory is that when you can feel seen by someone and can simultaneously make them feel seen by you, that's where this spark of love happens that we're all craving in relationship, in interaction with others. And by the way, this goes for both like platonic and romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. So firstly, in an interaction with a new person, you'll or even f- with a you know old friend or family member for that matter, you'll have to do the work of being open and listening with genuine and genuine is a keyword here, empathy and interest to allow the person you're interacting with to feel seen by you. This in itself takes some practice and some work. And maybe, you know, I'll get into that in another time for a different magic trick. But for now, I want to focus on the other end of this theory, which is giving people a way to make you feel seen by them. So this is kind of like the fun part, right? I think that the way it can play out in your life can actually be a huge tool in building your own community and tribe since those are the people that will organically connect with with you um, when you're brave enough to share in, in this way, you know, this vulnerably. In addition, this will likely also make you feel extremely fulfilled by your interactions with others, since in order to feel seen, you'll need to be doing something that speaks to your authentic self, of course. Um, you know, something that lights you up, something that lets your light shine and be seen. So the trick here is knowing what 
we want to be seen for, which is sometimes the hardest part to figure out. So your first step towards figuring that out is writing down hobbies that you know, light you up things that you love doing, maybe things that you would spend your entire day doing if you could be paid for it. Those are the things that light you up. Those are what you're looking for here. For Jade and I, this is our podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. we love Mm -hmm. doing this. It totally lights us up, passionate about it. So once you've done that, now the task is being able to articulate those items and what it is about them that light you up out loud. So you want to be able to say these things out loud to a, you know, ideally at some point you want to be able to say them out loud to a person so that it comes across to them as exciting as it is for you. So that's where you work on this articulation. Write it down till it makes sense to you, till it sounds clear and clean to you. And you might even practice saying this out loud in a mirror a few times so that when the opportunity presents itself, you won't be worried about getting your words out right because you'll you'll already have you know it's already something that lives inside you anyway but because you've practiced it and you've articulated it you'll be confident in the way it's going to come across to someone who's willing and, and ready to receive it and so when that opportunity presents itself you'll be ready willing to share what lights you up and your tribe will recognize you keyword recognize you when you share this part of you with them because they're ready and willing to they're out there you just need to be able to like put it out there what's that saying about luck like when you meet someone who really lights you up or you meet someone who is part of your tribe um you might say it's so lucky i met this person Mm. but the, the reality is it's all about where opportunity and um, preparedness meet each other. That's the definition of luck, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can have those ready for your, for your um, tribe and then all they have to do is recognize you, it's going to be magic people. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I have applied that magic to my life. Yeah. And mine isn't uh, too too different as far as like your first step but um mine is just to set up a morning routine with you know maybe putting those things into it write down that routine like what you have in mind and put it by your bed till you have it memorized because what you focus on in the mornings is going to set your tone for the rest of the day so you want to set up a routine that empowers you supports you and fortifies you and gets you in the right you know mode for the rest of your day This can be as simple as expressing gratitude before your feet hit the floor. Um, Not picking up your phone until you've read a few pages of a book, maybe, or a dance party with your kids, which is my personal favorite. Um, Sorry, downstairs neighbors. Um, (laughs) A few sun salutations like that always feels awesome, right? Um, But whatever starts your day off right for you, um, maybe what Maddie said, the Vedic chanting, um, Mm. uh, the pleasure practice, you know, um, or... You know, another tip that could be extremely beneficial is while you're doing any of these things, try to recall your dream from the night before and think on what it may be trying to reveal to you. You can Mm. implement that into your morning routine. Um, Yeah. Don't let text or emails or rush morning set your tone. Start it off intentionally. Love it. Yeah. I don't do that enough. I do feel like I get on my phone and... Mm-hmm. then I'm just well I've started putting my phone in the in the other room that mm-hmm. way I can't actually just pick it up when I get up to yeah. see the time I just I wear a watch if I have to and I just 
I get up and I do one of those things first. I think because I use my phone as my alarm. And unfortunately, sometimes I have to wake up to an alarm. But that's um, what this Fitbit works as an alarm. Yeah. So it like vibrates to wake me up. And then I I don't I honestly don't need my phone in the room. Well, here's what I need to do. I think I'm going to put my alarm. You know how you can label your alarm. The alarm's going to say, don't look at your phone for the first three minutes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So that as soon as I wake up to go turn it off, it reminds that's me a good idea. to do it. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you found it just, you know, heartwarming and enlightening as we did. We really enjoyed this conversation with Maddie Moon. So um, if you did like it, please share it with your friends and family or your social network, whatever you want to do. This would mean so much to us. And um, also, don't forget, as you heard us ask Maddie questions, you can ask our future guest questions. Just go to our Instagram page at The Magic Hour. And lastly, talk to you guys next week. Until then, be a light. Thank you so much to Maddie Moon for being on our show today and to at Rayton Royal for our intro jam. And of course, to Adam from Red Fox Audio for producing the show. Stay magical, friends. Quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys, you know, you know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck-ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves. This program is a Red Fox audio production.